gang, you know, I recorded the bulk of this episode over the weekend, and some things have changed since then. Most notably, the Hollywood Theater finally posted their showtimes for their classic monster movies that they're playing the first weekend of October. Now, when I recorded the episode, I made a comment about how the Hollywood hadn't posted their showtimes yet, but I would announce them as soon as I knew them. Well, I went ahead and put them on Facebook. There are Facebook events now for Monster Kid Radio crashes. Monster Kid Radio is going to crash the Wolfman and Dracula's daughter. Now we're going to do Dracula's daughter on October 4th, which is Saturday, the Saturday afternoon show at the Hollywood theater. That's at three 30 PM. And then we're going to do the Wolfman on Friday night. That's at eight 45 PM. That's on October 3rd. So October 3rd, the Wolfman, October 4th, Dracula's daughter. Check us out over on Facebook to look for the events talking about those, or go to the Hollywood Theater's website. There will be a link in the show notes, but that's Hollywood Theater, and that's R-E at the end, not E-R, dot org, to find out more about the showings happening at the beginning of October. Now, The Bride of Frankenstein is also showing, but we're not going to do a Monster Kid Radio crash, because one, I can't spend that much time at the Hollywood Theater, and two, of the three movies they're showing, I saw The Bride of Frankenstein theatrically within the past couple of years. These other two I have not seen, so, you know, I had to make a decision, and those were the ones that made the cut. Also, the Lovecraft Film Festival is doing a one-night-only best-of event Saturday night, so if you're in the area and you're into Lovecraft, as well as classic monster movie stuff, stick around at the Hollywood for Saturday evening's show. I'm going to be there as well. On with the show. We are kicking off episode 137 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Quicksilver Party. It's from the Beards Boys. It's from their album Enjoy the Hip Slick, Ultra Violent, and Super Sexy Surf Sounds of the Beards Boys. It appears on Monster Kid Radio with the band's permission. Welcome to the show. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. And on this episode of Monster Kid Radio, I'm going to take you back in time a couple of weekends ago to the Rose City Comic Con 2014 here in Portland, Oregon. Now, the Comic-Con didn't have a huge monster presence, at least not the day that I went. However, there were some friends of mine at the show, people that have appeared here on the show in the past. I caught up with them and put them on the show. So that's what you're getting this time around on Monster Kid Radio. Additionally, we've got Scott and Tracy Morris back. Now, they were on the podcast last week when we were talking about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the classic Disney film. This was a crossover event with their Disney Indiana podcast. Well, they recorded with me, and the show went out first on my podcast, and then a version of our conversation went out on their podcast. Between the time they recorded with me and they put their show together, which went out this past Sunday, the 28th of September, they learned some new information, some corrections, I suppose, needed to be made to some of the information that we shared with the listeners here on Monster Kid Radio. Now, they released the corrections on their podcast, of course, and they went ahead and recorded an addendum to their conversation with me for this episode of Monster Kid Radio. So we're going to be playing that here later in the show. Before we get to all that, though, I want to let everybody know that you can find out everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio at our website at monsterkidradio.net. From here, you can find a link to the Beards Boys. 
If you go over to their website and pick up their album, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. You can also find links to everything else we've got going on, like our live 365 internet radio station where you can hear music and sounds from classic monster movies, trailers, a couple of tracks from some more modern films, or at least within the past 10, 20 years, like Ed Wood or Matinee that kind of call back to that era of monster movies that we love so much here on MKR. You can also find a link to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help us out a little bit. Each level of patronage at Patreon, above the Ackerman level, gets you certain rewards and shoutouts and special emails and podcasts and things like that for being a patron. And I just sent out the first patron-only newsletter to everybody who is a patron of the Cheney Senior Level patron on patreon.com slash monsterkidradio. So go check that out and see if that's something that you'd like to do. We appreciate your support, and we appreciate everybody saying so many nice things about Monster Kid Radio. The reviews keep coming in. We still get some action on Facebook. We appreciate all the likes. Facebook, oh yeah. If you're a Facebook user, give us a like or join the Facebook group. There's a link to that over at monsterkidradio.net as well. This is where the conversations happen, and Facebook is the first place where we announce upcoming Monster Kid Radio crashes. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area and there's a classic monster movie showing, well, we try to organize a group screening. We all get together, maybe record a little bit before or after the show, that sort of thing. And there are some Monster Kid Radio crashes coming up this upcoming weekend. Unfortunately, as of this recording, Hollywood Theater hasn't announced showtimes for The Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, or Dracula's Daughter. But as soon as they do, I'm going to put together a Monster Kid Radio crash event on Facebook. And if you're in the area, maybe I'll see you there. I can pretty much tell you that there's going to be at least two crashes happening that weekend that they're showing those movies. Additionally, the fourth, which is Saturday, right in the middle of all that is the best of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival one-night-only event at the Hollywood Theater. Yeah, I'm going to be at that, too. Got some new exciting things coming down the pipeline here for Monster Kid Radio. We're going to be adding some new music to our Live 365 channel, and we're getting closer to making that spinoff show happen, the one that we've been talking about for over a year now, the Creature from the Black Lagoon spinoff show. The first episode has been recorded. I just have to work some post-production magic on it, and we're good to go. But before all that, we're going to go back to Rose City Comic Con 2014. Happened here in Portland, Oregon. You're going to hear some familiar voices. Longtime listeners of Monster Kid Radio are going to recognize all of them. I don't want to ruin the surprise, though. So why don't we go ahead and get to that right after this? Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.jonja.net and remind yourself a little more about the show. <laughs> Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.jonja.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie sometime? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror. Do you believe in ghosts? 
I do. And you will, too. When you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 Ghosts, uh, no more dictation today. When you see 13 Ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It will let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts. Now, brace yourself as we take you across the threshold of our haunted mansion where there's a ghost for everyone in the family. Father, mother, sister, brother. You'll be scared stiff too when you see what they see. 13 ghosts materializing in ectoplasmic color through the magic of Illusiono, the ghost viewer. The ghost of a lion in the basement. The ghost of a murderous cook in the kitchen. Stop it! Stop it, I say! The ghost who speaks through the lips of the living. Death tonight. To one of you. The evil ghost in the bedroom, fighting to take possession of this beautiful girl. You'll feel all the thrills and chills of seeing one ghost multiplied by the magic number 13. Hello, this is writer-director Christopher R. Mim, the master of the Mimiverse. You're listening to Monster Kid Radio with Derek M. Cook, the greatest person I've ever met, sure. I think it's been over a year since I've had you on the show proper. Devin Devereaux, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing, Monster Kid? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. How has life been treating you since you were on Monster Kid Radio over a year ago? It's been pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I think I was about uh, a year out working full-time as an illustrator, and now it's almost about two, two and a half years, and... I mean, it was uh, it was pretty sweet because when we got together, we uh, we were riffing on uh, Vincent Price and we did the fly. And since then, uh, you know, connected with uh, Victoria Price, uh, we both did at the World Horror Con, and she's actually hired me to do some art for her. And uh, we're doing uh, the tiki candles, and so she hired me to do all the packaging design for that. And we it was uh, based on the Brady Bunch episode where they were in the Vincent's in the tiki caves. But in that, just, yeah, still making a lot of monster art, and I uh, got a new book coming out next month uh, called Josh Lobster, so thank you for uh, helping us promote that. Yeah, every month is always a little bit different. What is Josh Lobster? Josh Lobster, the best way that I can describe it is if there is a universe where the Goonies, Jaws, and H.P. Lovecraft's Shadow Over Innsmouth all existed, <laughs> this would also be a part of this universe. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's kind of cool, because my buddy Chris, who wrote it, was a uh, resident of Rhode Island, and you know I live in Portland with, by Derek. Uh, we're close to Astoria, where allegedly the story of Shadow Over Innsmouth was was based on. So we kind of have that connection, and uh, also close to Astoria where the Goonies was filmed. But yeah, it's kind of a kids' adventure book where they're basically uncovering the secrets of this mysterious island and all the world's sea life is making their way to this island. Uh, there's a 20-year-old murder that new evidence has surfaced. And all kinds of crazy characters. There's a mysterious vampire attack. And everything seems to be surrounded by this character called Barnacle Bill. That's about the best way I can describe it. 
Without giving too much. Of it. It's a mouthful, man. I, I'm excited. <laughs> so this was a Kickstarter campaign. It was successful. Yes. Now, can people get the book if they didn't contribute to Kickstarter? Abso- absolutely. Uh, once uh, once we get the book out, we'll go through our regular channels of uh, going through diamonds. You'll be able to order it through the da- diamond catalog. Uh, you can order it directly through me and my website, devindevereaux.com. Uh, we'll have it on Amazon once uh, once we go through all the get ever all those channels crossed. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be pretty easy to find once it's out. Josh Lobster. <laughs> Please keep me posted because I'll make sure the listeners know and links in the show notes. And of course, we'll promote as much as we can because it sounds awesome. No doubt. Yeah. And uh, the creature may have uh, may make an appearance or two. We'll see what oh. happens. Yeah. Uh. We, we left room for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming you've been watching a lot of... You, I mean, you're the kind of guy you watch monster movies pretty much all the time, right? Oh, yeah. What are some movies you've been watching lately? You know, we're, we're kind of trying to catch up on some newer things. Uh, we just saw The Sacrament, uh, you know, the new Ty West movie, and that was really good. He's a really great up-and-coming filmmaker. And then uh, we saw Oculus. I thought Oculus was pretty good. It's a you know, haunted mirror story. And uh, actually, my, my wife and I uh, just watched Omen, and I, had, I hadn't watched The Omen uh, maybe in 20 years, and uh, you know, I didn't realize that it was the second Doctor from Doctor Who that played the, the priest that gets impaled, and... <laughs> I'd forgotten that David Warner had such a great, you know, uh, role in the film, and yeah, it was almost like watching for the first time. So, Omen is a good one to dust off and watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Uh, beyond that, uh, looking forward to watching Tusk this weekend, the new Kevin Smith Walrus uh, horror film. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some some good stuff coming out. Also, kind of curious to see the new take on Dracula um, from uh, from the trailer that I saw. It's it's it looks like a brand new take on for Dracula Untold, where it's like the Francis Ford Coppola movie the first 10 minutes of that was very derivative of the old story of Vlad the Impaler but this looks like the entire film is supposed to be the story of Vlad but he makes a deal with the devil and everything plays out a little bit differently so I'm kind of fascinated by what they do with that and the new Universal movies coming up so you're actually wearing a Universal t-shirt and I wanted to ask you because I've talked a little bit about this on the show it's been online Universal relaunching the Universal monsters in a cohesive universe all of the Marvel comics uh, universe what are your thoughts on that? Well, right now the bar is very low because the last <laughs> the last time we had a big monster mashup was uh, Van Helsing, uh-huh. and uh, so it's kind of like in the way that they're they're making a new Star Wars movie. I mean, they they set the bar so low they can't help but make a good movie, and I think that's kind of what we're looking towards. It's like anything is is going to be better than that. <laughs> I think they can't, you know, they can't mess it up any any worse. So yeah. What is your favorite Universal monster? Dracula. Definitely, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. What What is it about Dracula that pushes him over, like the monster, the creature? I think I just always have been attracted to the romantic gothic stories, and I mean, as, as far as the monster movies go, you know, there's something just very special about Dracula. You know, it was a, you know, it was, it was a sexy, you know, monster, and yeah, it was, you know, he was a boss, and he. Uh, <laughs> He, he was running things. So anytime there was a monster mashup, it was Dracula was always kind of running the show. And True. yeah, I just think there's a lot to that story, and you can interpret it in a lot of different ways. And it keeps becoming relevant throughout any kind of social issue that happens throughout the years. And yeah, Legosi, Lee, do you have a favorite? Legosi, yeah. all the way, all the way, definitely. Now you don't dislike Lee, though. I mean, we don't have to oh, break up being not. friends here over this, do we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd, absolutely. <laughs> you look on my table, you'll see, you know, Legosi, you'll see Christopher Lee, you'll see Blackula, you'll see. I've got John John Carradine over here, so Carradine, even yeah. Well, you got to represent, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, lo- I love it all. Yeah, Monster Squad. I can't remember the uh, the actor's name, but yeah, I mean, he's a hard character to screw up. 
I don't know. Gary Oldman, of course, did a fantastic job. <laughs> I think somebody could probably screw it up if they tried hard enough. Right, right, right. <laughs> How about you? Uh, favorite Universal monster? Or? Favorite, favorite Dracula. Favorite Dracula? You know, I go back and forth on this because I love Lee because I do the Hammer podcast. Mm-hmm. But Bella Lugosi, man. Yeah. Bella Lugosi. He owned it. He owned it. Yeah. I just watched Nosferatu and yeah. talked about that with somebody for the show. Nosferatu. It's fresh in my mind. What do you think of it? Yeah, I love it. German expressionist horror films. I mean, you know, it's wonderful. I'm uh, glad uh, glad that we have it. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> That's that, true. It almost didn't survive. Available. I'm yeah. glad that we, you know, are able to, to watch it. But yeah, absolutely. We've talked in the past about having you back on the show to maybe talk about some William Castle films. Yes. What are some of your favorite William Castle films? Uh, 13 Ghosts. Oh, yes. House on Haunted Hill. Represent. The Tingler. Oh, yes. I got to be honest with you, there's a lot that I haven't seen. So, I don't know. I got to brush up on that. Yeah. We definitely need to make that happen. We need yeah. to get you back on the show, maybe do a series of Castle films. You know, I see you've got a lot of people coming up to your table. I don't want you to miss a sale, so I'm going to let you go, man. Right on. Well, thanks for having me back on the show, Derek. We'll make sure there's a link to your website in the show notes. Thanks, Devin. No doubt. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm at Rose City Comic Con. It's the second day. I only made it out for Sunday, but there's somebody here who's been here the entire time. Uh, a colleague, a friend of mine, he's been on the show before. The biggest kaiju fan I know, and I don't mean that like he's a large man. He just knows more about kaiju than anybody else I know. Kyle Young from the Kaiju Cast. How's it going, man? Good. I'm still a sizable human being. It's a. Uh, it's okay. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, no judgment here or anything. This is a safe place. All good. All good. Yeah, I'm doing really well, man. I'm here tabling with my friend Keith Foster from Big Pimp Jones, who writes the Kadoja comic and uh, scores the Kadoja music. Having a good time and uh, selling selling stuff here at the con. Now, you did a panel yesterday. What was it called? It's called Godzilla vs. Everything. That just sounds awesome. I regret missing it. Yeah. Well, you should have been there, Derek, because we showed clips from, uh, from Godzilla movies, basically. So <laughs> I, I did a poll or a panel a couple of uh, cons ago, and somebody said, oh, it'd be really great if you could show some video. And I was like, how am I going to show video? Like, what are we going to just watch trailers? And then I came up with the idea of, well, wait, maybe we could take a survey and figure out what people think are like the best Godzilla moments and uh, and then create a, a, a panel or presentation on that and that's exactly what we did so we had video clips from 10 video clips from just like the gamut of the movies I mean we had stuff from Destroy All Monsters the original Godzilla well, yeah. GMK like just the best of the best pretty much I don't want to ruin it because I'm assuming you recorded it and you're going to play it on a show, right? Actually, I'm not sure because Uh-oh. because of this, it's such a such a visual medium. I mean, just listening to it might not be as interesting. I'm going to have to listen to the audio from it. I did record the audio, but we're probably going to post the results up on the KaijuCast Facebook page. Well, that's, that's something. So yeah. of the 10, it was 10, right? Yes. So yeah. of the 10, what struck out? Was there one that you just didn't expect to make the ranks? I did not expect the moment with uh, Shindo in Godzilla versus King Ghidra, where he like looks at Godzilla and they have a moment, like a heartfelt moment. <laughs> I did not expect that to rank so high, I think, or come in at the top 10, but it did. Wow. Okay, well, people need to follow you at kaijucast.com or on Facebook and all that on the off chance that you've got something coming up. Yeah. We had you on the show a while back to talk about the Kickstarter for the documentary. Yes. How's that going? It's going well. Right now, uh, we're in the process of creating the backer perks, and uh, my translator is working on the interviews so that I can have an exact transcript of what the Japanese interviewees were saying. And then my editor, Martin, has actually cut together a whole bunch of it already, and we need to go through and sort of whittle it down 
and I need to write my script for it as well. The trip went pretty good then? The trip went fantastic. Yeah, the, it was uh, exhausting because it was, we were really only there for four days and we shot for three of those days. And um, I would say that it would have been great if we were able to get more footage and more stuff done. But for the amount of money that we had, we, like, we really just pushed it right up against the wall as to what we could do in that amount of time with the amount of money we had. One of the things you said is that you'd just strap GoPro cameras to yourself and go if you had any problems. <laughs> Did you have any problems going in with the camera? Well, we... I don't want to spoil the documentary, no, but... No, no, no. Well, that, this won't be in the documentary. We actually were talking to Toho at one point, which, you know, I kind of wanted to just avoid having yeah, to deal with them. I remember. Uh, and unfortunately, what they had in the exhibit is they had sections where you were not allowed to take photos or use a camera. So because we were talking to Toho, the we actually got pretty far in the negotiations for doing some sort of interview there. But then at the last minute, they were just like, sorry, we don't have time. And that's okay. We got plenty of stuff. We definitely are not lacking in footage in the exhibit or outside of the exhibit, too. The plan is still a YouTube release? Yep, still uh, pl- still planning on releasing it on YouTube on the 3rd of November. That's coming up. You're going to make it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> you know, I'll watch the raw footage. I don't really care. I just want to see the thing. <laughs> we actually showed a teaser trailer yesterday. And Man, I should have been here. I actually, if you come back later, I've got it. I've got it with me on my tablet. Watch it. Can you hear that? He's going to hook me up, guys. That's right. That's right. I know who my friends are. <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming up for the Kaiju cast? What's uh, within the next couple of months? Uh, well, our next episode is actually going to be about the documentary. Uh, we were trying to record something earlier this, this month, but... Martin, the editor, got married, and so we sort of got strapped for time, and so I had to put out a bonus episode. So next week, I'm sitting down with some of my co-hosts, and we're going to just talk about the trip. Uh, And then the following episode, which will be very soon after that, is the Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla x Megaguirus. And then I think... I'm going to have the Kaiju Gaiden guys. Are you familiar with that documentary? No. There's another documentary sort of Kickstarter in the works focusing on independent filmmakers in Japan doing giant monster movies. And so it's called Kaiju Gaiden, and that, I believe, is going to be our first episode of October. So is that a thing? I mean, here in the States, there's people making amateur zombie movies or whatever. Is that like amateur kaiju films? Is that a thing over there? Not as much as it is here. But if you think about it in terms of like how much, you know, I don't know how to say this. We've got like nerd culture. We were talking about, Keith and I were talking about this earlier. Nerd culture has been fostered here in America and it's very, very popular right now. Nerd culture in Japan is still, yes, yeah. that's a that's a little name drop. <laughs> yeah, uh, nerd culture in Japan is not as fostered, but it's it's just very different. So the fan films aren't a huge deal over there like they are here. They don't get a lot of recognition, but they still happen. So you don't have as many people doing them, and especially when you're talking about the kaiju genre. I mean, this guy Mark Haramio, he has like been a rock star tracking down some of these guys and getting their input and seeing footage. He's got stuff. Like, I obviously have never heard of this stuff before he even brought it to the States. The, I mean, he's just basically bringing clips, and, like, there was a panel at G-Fest the year before, in 2013, and then this year they did something, and then I think in 2012 was the first time they brought one of those guys over, and he's the guy that did Legendary Wolfman versus Godzilla. Do you ever see pictures of that? I've seen pictures. Have you seen the movie? I've seen clips of the movie. It's yeah. not finished, is the deal. Oh. So some of these movies are in just, like, states of 
you know, very, 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 very many years into them, and they're still not finished. So uh, for me, I'm really looking forward to some of the other things they've got going. Someone did a Dimagine movie, like a fan-made Dimagine film, another Atragon film. It's really, really interesting stuff as far as I'm concerned. Why have you not made a fan kaiju film yet? That's just not my strength. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and uh, I know what I can do. I know I can do a documentary. Like, I know I can figure that out. I don't know how it'll be in the end, but I think I can get that figured out. And then we've got, uh, you know, I just am not into writing creative movies yet. I don't know. We'll see. The name of the documentary again for people who had not heard you before. Uh, my documentary is called Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction. We do have a website, hailtothekingdoc.com, which is, needs a serious update, but I'm going to get to that soon. And then, uh, like I said, November 3rd, it'll be on YouTube. Awesome. We'll make sure there's links in the show notes to that. I'm excited for the YouTube release. I can't wait. I want to see the documentary, man. Awesome. We've never had this guy on the show before, and I kind of regret it. Because I, I've wanted to have him, have him on. We just never made it happen. Keith Foster, how's it going, man? It is going well, Derek. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. This is my first day at the show. I, I only did today, but you've done all weekend? Yes. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, so here we are talking on Sunday. How was yesterday? It's, it was wonderful. I mean, it's, it's cool to see the effect of giant monsters getting slightly more popular now. You know, they're more visible. How long have you been a fan of kaiju films? I, I would say I'm a bit of a late bloomer. I've always been a fan of kaiju films, but my upbringing in my, let's call it, 20s, teens, was very much in the comic side. I kind of came up through the Star Wars channels and comics. I'm also a huge fan of heavy metal. I'm, I'm wearing a Merciful Fate shirt while I'm taping this. So, um, but, but kaiju was something that I always kind of watched, but I didn't embrace. And it, I got into my 30s and started to really embrace it. So I've been a casual fan for a long time. I've been a pretty hardcore fan for, let's go with eight years, something like that. My story is pretty similar. I actually credit Kyle Yount for really getting me into it because I went to a screening of uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla that he introduced at the Hollywood Theater, okay. and I was hooked ever since. So, yeah. uh, What are some of your favorite films? Uh, my kaiju films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite, well, my favorite kaiju film is uh, Gamera 2 Attack of Legion. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, and that, that's one. And then I'd probably say, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but uh, Pacific Rim continues to climb with each watching. Really? I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a bunch of things beating the crap out of each other. I'm in this for the giant monster violence, and that delivers on that. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, if I could pick a hetera, I really like Smog Monster as well. Really? Yeah. See, that one seems to be getting a little bit more love as the years go by. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely a controversial choice mm -hmm. among giant monster fans. I happen to really like it because of the large degree of creative license that the director, that the script took with it. It's just such a trippy, psychedelic funky thing you know I don't know I, I enjoy every bit of that just that it it stands out amidst the Godzilla filmography because of it's kind of out there by those standards you know? I'm, a, I'm a big film score collector and I find the film score for the hetero film to be just really kind of out there that one and one? yeah that yes. one's got a real funky soundtrack too yes and I am uh, you know the, the soundtrack we do uh -huh. it's I'm in a funk band mm -hmm. I've actually been uh, part of this funk band for about 20 years we've been releasing records our name is Big Pimp Jones mm -hmm. and so anything funky is anything I like so the two funky scores that you just referenced totally in my wheelhouse 
in fact, to extend that, I really love a lot of the the Japanese superhero scores from the 70s. Yes. So Soup Item Man, uh-huh. Kakaida, Inazu Man. I love all those things, and they are very, very funky. Did that influence the soundtrack for Kadoja quite a bit? I would go with Fukube being the main influence for Kadoja because we come from a, a very much a funk base anyway. So the the influence that we welcomed in for this was almost all of Fukube. We are influenced by the Japanese soundtrack funk, but that's on a record and actually a, a second record slash comic that we're going to release in 2015. Brand new, nothing to do with giant monsters. So there are more comics coming from you. Yes. There are, there are not only more um, Kadoja comics, so again, this is the first five issues that we're looking to collect in the trade for the Kickstarter. We're going to go to at least issue 20 or so before we even evaluate anything, right? Wow. We just want to keep on making content. We have the ideas for the first five or six story arcs already laid out. Um, and then there's going to be a second comic that's going to be Kung Fu. I know you're a Kung Fu fan because I listened to the last episode of Nerdometrics, yes, okay. which is another one of your podcasts. Can you tell our listeners about that? Uh, about the Kung Fu episode or Nerd? Well, Nerdometrics, Nerdometrics in general. Um, my my day job, my background. You know, the thing I do to to stay in a house. I wish it were Giant Monster Comics. I, I think all of us wish Giant Monsters were somehow involved in paying the bills. But. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, so I, I I use a lot of math and and economics and planning things at my day job about three years ago somebody presented something and i was like it was about these uh, advanced kind of statistical measures and i'm like nobody's doing anything applying like this to nerd stuff you know people apply it to sports people apply it there's been a big analytics movement in baseball and football and basketball but not in like nerd stuff and that's what we tried to do, or what I tried to do with Nerdometrics. The episodes that stand out, we did an episode where we, we calculated how realistic it would be for Japan to continually rebuild itself amidst all these giant monster attacks. Um, and then we did another one where actually after Pacific Rim came out, I loved the movie, I, I enjoy it, but the math in it really bothered me. And it was the math about the frequency of the giant monster attacks, the kaiju attacks, that was bothering me. So I sat down and figured it out, and it was, it's just tragically flawed. And also the budget stuff they talk about. So the other thing about Pacific Rim that kind of drove me nuts was the, we have to choose between building Jaegers or building this wall. You can listen to the episode, but I analyzed how valid that statement was. And then the one you're just referring to, I sat down with Andy Campbell of uh, Kaiju 101, and we basically asked the question, does more action mean people like something more? And he talked about giant monster films. I addressed Kung Fu, and we saw what the conclusions were. That was the most recent episode uh, for both of you guys, and I was quite taken and and surprised. I think I kind of suspected this. More destruction, more monster scene didn't necessarily mean a better film overall, which I thought was fascinating. Was that something you expected? I expected more action to mean I like the film more. And uh, with Giant Monsters, in fact, it was a slightly negative correlation. So more monster violence or more monster screen time meant a movie people liked slightly less. Kung Fu, it was the it was the reverse. It was almost completely meaningless. That didn't surprise me as much because there's a lot of bad Kung Fu films out there that just are nonstop action, right, with, with nothing going on. Um, but, yeah, with the Giant Monster stuff, I think they both surprised me a little bit, but Giant Monsters more so. I've been trying to get into Kung Fu films. It's a subgenre I know very little about. Help me out, man. What are some good Kung Fu flicks that I should check out? Okay, so my personal favorites are... Uh-oh. 
Oh, okay. We, we, we almost got uh, podcast bombed by Mr. Kyle Yount here. <laughs> I could add an addendum if you want. Okay. Okay, well, okay, so my, my personal couple favorites that, that peel off the top of my head are uh, The Five Deadly Venoms, okay. which is uh, it, probably my favorite kung fu film. Uh, I also really like a movie, I don't know, it goes by a couple different names, but one is Five Element Ninjas, a.k.a. it also goes by Chinese Super Ninjas. Both of those things are great, and I also just saw, and it's quickly rising, a film called The Duel, or The Duel of the Century, by the Shaw Brothers. Phenomenal. And it, it's everything I want in a kung fu film. You know, I want crazy action and like tons of plot twists and elements of mystery, and those three films really deliver a lot of that. Does, does Kyle Young have a, an addendum here? Uh, I personally like the 90s extreme wire work kung fu films. Yeah. So, like movies like Wing Chun, uh, The Heroic Trio, even though it's completely goofy. And uh, my favorite, tip top of the scale, is a movie called Iron Monkey, which oh. is absolutely. And I'm not talking about the one from the 70s. I'm talking about the, the remake from the 90s. Okay. Like that's the one that I like. I've seen the one from the 70s. It's in. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So so just to make sure, Iron Monkey is the one that Tarantino's company re-released yeah. recently. Yeah. Yes. And actually, if I if I'd have thought harder, instead of just staying in the 70s, Iron Monkey is phenomenal. Fantastic. It's it's again it's that same crazy insane levels of kung fu and that one actually has tons of fighting in it and and it works it works really well you know i see trailers for a lot of these movies at a a local movie theater that does a grindhouse thing and i see the trailers and they're amazing and then i go and i rent the movie and i'm like yeah yeah so i'm I'm trying to find a few so i'm going to go back and listen to this and take some notes i think yeah or or actually if you want to there's another film i'll recommend which is kind of at the intersection of uh giant monsters or not so giant monsters and Kung Fu, and that's uh, The Super Inframan. We covered that here on the show. I was going to ask you what you thought of Inframan. It is one of my favorite films. I asked, <laughs> what, what did you think? Is the question. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I had a guy by the name of Ray on the show. A friend of mine had been on the show quite a few times, and he saw it as a kid in the theater. Oh, my God. And he loved it, and he brought it to Monster Kid Radio, and we both adored that movie. Yes, I, I can't love that film enough. My stepdaughter actually refers to herself as Queen Dragon Mom every now and then. <laughs> So yeah, uh, we've 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 uh, found a way to uh, get that into the family as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, awesome film. That's pretty cool. Now, because we do the monsters here as well, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. What are your thoughts on the Hammer Kung Fu movie? I haven't seen it. What, what? what? No, no, the Peter Cushing film, the Hammer film, and they. Oh, dude, it's Van Helsing in, in uh, with Kung Fu. I mean, come on. That sounds. I think that sounds phenomenal, and I think I came across that in my research uh-huh. for the Nerdometrics Kung Fu episode. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that haven't heard, I used data from 370 Kung Fu films, wow. and then basically took that data had the amount of action and compared that to the IMDB average mm-hmm. and just said, what, what's the correlation here? And that did come up and I was like, well, that sounds really cool. I need to find out more about it. Yeah, Van Helsing's in China researching vampire stuff. They don't believe him, but there's this guy from a small village who says he's got vampires here. We want you to come. And you know, like his... I don't know, nephew, son, grandson, a relative of his is there, and Dracula's there, and the Chinese vampires are hopping around. And Yeah, I'm throwing horns right now. So I'm going to see that within the next 48 hours of my life. <laughs> there are two cuts. There are two cuts. There's the Hammer cut, and then Shaw Brothers also, because they were involved. Okay. There's a Chinese cut that... I don't know which one. I want to see a fan in it where they mix it all together because it's all so cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it feels like I should defer to the Shaw Brothers cut. Well, yeah, but, you know, you get more Peter Cushing in the Hammer films, and you can never go wrong with Cushing. That's true. true. I'm in. (laughs) In right now. 
So what's coming up next for Nerdometrics? Anything on deck? We we have a couple ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the trick with Nerdometrics is, you know, I, I write and self-publish Kadoja. Mm-hmm. I'm in Big Pimp Jones. I have, you know, I like to have a balance in my life. I have work. Nerdometrics ideas, it tends to be the kind of thing where, like, I want to take an idea that someone hasn't done before and then research it more thoroughly than anyone would. You know what I mean? Give it a proper treatment. I mean, I have a couple ideas. The one that's that's currently in my head is I wanted to look at death of comic book characters and how often they say stay dead and uh, and whether, you know, and kind of try to tie that to whether it's a marketing pitch, pitch or not. You know, because the recent memory, there's, a you know, the, the most predominant superhero deaths have all kind of been short-term boosts to spur interest. Um, you know, most notably, I think the death of Superman in the 90s. That's the one that keeps on popping up. So I'd really like to investigate that and see how often comic characters stay dead when they die. That sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. I actually want to take the Nerdometrics approach to an episode of Monster Kid Radio down the line. So I hope I'm not stepping on your toes if I do that. So I'll let you know. Yeah, please do. I mean, I I have no intentions of going into the monster realm, so feel free. And then what about Big Pig Jones? Anything coming up from there? New albums? Anything? We um, Well, we just released a record. Uh, we released two records this last year. Again, this is for the, the funk lovers that are listening to you. Um, we did a cover of 270s funk tracks. That's on RBMB Records. Um, that just came out about a month ago. And then we did a record a little ways ago. But we're actually looking to release our own music on vinyl. And that's going to happen in 2015. We have a name for our label, we think. And we're just going to launch, quote unquote, with probably two records and uh, two funk records. And then we're going to just, as as soon as we can finance another record, we're going to add it to the pile and keep on going from there. And we're probably even going to do a a mini tour on the East Coast and West Coast. A couple shows, a couple places just to get the word out and have people listen to some funk. Awesome. And then, of course, Kadoja. And I'm excited to know that there's more coming of that because I love the book. I'm looking forward to the the collection. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to hear. And we're going to have a new issue ready by about February, I would say. Our next story arc will begin. Is it available online? Uh, Kadoja? Yes, you can go to our site, kadoja.com. And then there will be a link right there and you can go order the issues online. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Keith, thank you so much. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. Out of the polluted waters it came to become the most fearful menace that ever threatened mankind. Feeding, growing ever more deadly on smog. Only one force dared stand up to its overpowering evil. Godzilla! Godzilla versus the smog monster. More than 1,600 dead have been reported, while other casualties are expected to exceed 30,000. Can Godzilla save the Earth from this mastodon of destruction? Godzilla versus the Smug Monster. Rated G. Big thanks to Devin Devereaux, Keith Foster, and Kyle Yount for appearing on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Devin Devereaux can be found at devindevereaux.com. His first name and last name is D-E-V-O-N-D-E-V-E-R-E-A-U-X.com. You can find out more about what Keith Foster's got going on, I think just by going to kadoja.com for that, or go to the KaijuCast website at kaijucast.com to keep up to date with everything going on with Kyle. There will be links in the show notes to these websites over at monsterkidradio.net. 
I got to get these guys back on the show in the future. As for people who have been on the show in the past, Scott and Tracy Morris, like I said, at the top of the show, they joined me to talk about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea last time on Monster Kid Radio. And here they have an addendum to everything that we talked about during that discussion. Take it away, gang. Hey, Monster Kid Radio. This is Scott and Tracy from the Disney Indiana podcast. After we recorded our talk with Derek for last week's episodes on 20,000 Leagues, well, we did a little more research and we found that we made a couple of mistakes. So we're here to uh, correct those. To start with, we misstated the total weight of the diving suits. According to that May 1984 Cinefantastic article on the filming of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the suits weighed closer to 150 pounds, not 225. Now, mind you, that's still a lot to be carrying around, especially with those all-metal helmets. We also misspoke when referring to the happy accident of the nurse shark's appearance. We actually had the wrong scene in mind. The sunken ship mess hall scene with Douglas and Lori was actually filmed in an indoor water tank, one of the few underwater scenes that was not shot on location. The rest of the underwater excursion with the crew gathering the kelp and shellfish was all filmed near Lifford Bay in the Bahamas, and the shark made an unexpected appearance in one of those shots. However, we do have an even better fish tale to tell. First off, remember this was the 1950s. We're afraid the ASPCA would not be terribly thrilled to learn that at least one animal was harmed during the filming of this feature. You know that shark that the divers interact with in the excursion scene? Well, it was a captive and was actually presumed to be dead at the time. It had been caught the day before the scene was to be shot, had had its mouth wired shut, and then was left on the deck overnight. Now, in that article we referred to earlier, director Richard Fleischer talks about the incident. The next day, we attached the cable to its mouth so we could pull that creature in any direction. A camera was then tied to the shark's back with a slip knot, so if anything went wrong, the cameraman could simply pull on the slip knot to release the camera. Fleischer continues, We put the shark into the lake and made a couple of dives. Without any warning, the shark revived on the last take, broke the cable, and dove straight down. The cameraman pulled the slip knot, but it failed to release the camera. The shark took off into the deep with the cameraman in tow. That man refused to let go. Finally, he was able to release the camera from the shark, but damaged both eardrums in the process. Hmm, seems like Mother Nature got a bit of revenge there. Now this fish story gets even better. They needed that shark for a few more takes, and realizing its mouth was still wired shut, and therefore shouldn't be any danger, several divers went out to look for it. One of them spotted the shark, grabbing it by the tail in order to tow it back to the underwater set. Now another diver took a look at the shark, tapped the first diver on the shoulder, and pointed at his own mouth while shaking his head no. It seems that they'd grabbed a different shark and a perfectly functional one. Fleischer remembers the divers coming out of the water like two beach balls. We wonder if there's any surviving behind-the-scenes footage of that. Lastly, in our discussion, we said a couple times that this was a fifth Walt Disney Studios live-action film. Well, yes and no, depending on how you look at things. There was Song of the South from 1946, and another film called So Dear to My Heart, which was from 1948. Both of these films are a combination of live-action and animation. Then there were the four live-action movies filmed in England in the early 1950s. Treasure Island, The Story of Robin Hood and His Merry Men, The Sword and the Rose, and Rob Roy the Highland Rogue. However, 
20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is the first live-action movie filmed at the Disney Studios in Burbank, and as such, deserves recognition. Now, we'd once again like to thank Derek for inviting us to come on Monster Kid Radio once again to talk about 20,000 Leagues and to share this audio on our podcast, the Disney Indiana Podcast. Now, you can find our show over at www.disneyindiana.com. And we apologize for the, the few mistakes, but we hope we got them corrected for you. And now back to Derek and Monster Kid Radio. I love having Scott and Tracy on the show. Check them out at DisneyIndiana.com to hear them until the next time we have them here on the show. Of course, you can always catch Scott joining me and Casey Criswell on our Hammer Films podcast, 1951 Down Place at 1951downplace.com. On the next episode of Monster Kid Radio, which is coming out on October 2nd, this is the first episode of October, our countdown to Halloween I've got a new guy on the show, somebody that's never been on the show before, somebody that I follow on Facebook and read. It's an author by the name of Frank Schildener. We're going to talk about his short story, Big Ol' Scorpion, which is something that Monster Kid Radio listeners would really dig. We're also going to talk a little bit more about his background, the things that he's into, what he writes, what's coming up next, that sort of thing. And we just chat about giant monster movies. Any conversation that you can have with a fellow monster kid about atomic horror monster movies, I mean, come on, you can't miss. That's the main reason I launched Monster Kid Radio, just so I can talk to people like you and Frank and everybody else who's been on the show in the past about these movies that we love so much. And I hope you guys and gals continue to dig the show and come back for that interview with Frank in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. Plus, I'm going to launch a new feature, a countdown to Halloween-style feature on that episode of MKR. So we'll see you back here in a couple of days for that. Plus, we're going to have some feedback in the next episode as well. Before we sign off, I want to give a special thanks out to Joseph Perry. He's one of our patrons. He is a writer over at horrornews.com. Net. So go check that out when you're not listening to Monster Kid Radio. Remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Quicksilver Party. That belongs to the Byrates Boys. It's from their album Enjoy the Hip Slick, Ultra Violent, and Super Sexy Surf Sound of the Byrates Boys. It appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. 